0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Trevor Woods here from SB Nation's Maze and Brew with another edition of Getting to Know Michigan's Opponent. This week's opponent for Michigan is the Iowa Hawkeyes. This will be a stiff road test for the Wolverines. It marks Michigan's first road game of the year. And it's against one of the best defenses in all of college football. Of course, Michigan played Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game last season. They won 42-3, to but this is a new year, a new season, a new team, new players, new faces, new leaders, and all that. But some things remain the same, and that remains with head coach Kirk Ferentz, a man that always needs to be treated with respect and seriousness. So, to preview this matchup with me today is from Hawkeye insider 247 Sports. CBS Sports writer, David Eichold. How are we doing today, David?
2: Hey, Trevor. Things are going well. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Oh, we're really happy to have you on to preview this matchup. So, first things first, you wrote an article about it this week that Kirk Ferentz isn't treating this as a revenge game. Is the team at all treating it as a revenge game? And uh, secondly, what's different from this year's team that would make... Uh, skeptical Michigan fan who looks at that box score 42-3 to and say, what can they possibly do to narrow the gap this year?
2: Yeah, I think that's the most intriguing question uh, heading into this matchup. But as you mentioned, Kirk Ferentz is not treating this as a revenge game, but talking to the players on Tuesday, I, I think there's an underlying vibe that they are treating it as a revenge game. I talked to Iowa quarterback Spencer Petris and he said, you know, we remember how crappy it felt to just go out there and get killed, and he said, while it's important to maybe treat it like a revenge game throughout the week when it's Saturday and both teams hit the field, it's important that they recognize, as you mentioned in the opener, that this is a new team. They're new faces. Uh, Iowa feels like they can control their own destiny if they play their best football. And, you know, I think last season, as far as Michigan goes, I think it was just, it was kind of their chosen season to really come back into the prominence of college football. I think with Aiden Hutchinson, who would have been my Heisman. Vote. Though I thought he was the best player in college football last year. Having David Ojabo and Iowa's inconsistent at best offensive tackles, I think they overwhelmed Iowa's offense at that time. But you know, Iowa's defense, I think, is very motivated heading into this matchup. I think you look at guys like Jack Campbell, who was embarrassed about his performance, Kayvon Merriweather, who's a been a standout member of that secondary over the past two seasons. He's from Belleville, Michigan, so this is this game sort of hits home. For him, So I think Iowa's defensive line is better. I think they're going to do a better job of trying to contain Blake Corum, who I I absolutely love watching. And I just think with a young quarterback who hasn't gone into – I mean, he's been tested, but going from a start-to-finish game in Kinnick Stadium, sold-out crowd, I I think it's a very intriguing matchup. And I think it's going to be, obviously, number one scoring offense in the country versus Iowa's defense that – I think has lived up to every expectation they could have had entering the season. So, I think the gap is certainly going to diminish compared to what it did in the Big Ten Championship. But, you know, I remember that game too, Trevor, where after Iowa missed that trick play on that opening drive, they missed the field goal, which has been sort of their crutch all last season. I I figured the game was over because I think Iowa psychologically broke after that missed field goal.
1: And it's interesting about you mentioning a missed field goal in that game co offensive and coordinator of Michigan Matt Weiss said a goal of theirs against Iowa in this game is to end every drive with at least a field goal. So that'll be something interesting to follow as the game progresses. A big difference between this year to last year is last year, of course, it was neutral ground. Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game. A little different when you go up to Iowa City playing Kinnick Stadium in front of a hostile crowd. Head coach Jim Harbaugh called it a place where top five teams go to die. So it boils down to the players on the field, of course, and execution and all that. Kirk Ferentz actually pointed to that this week. But the the crowd's going to make a difference too. You mentioned the defense and how they've lived up to every expectation and then some. So let's go through their numbers just ever so slightly. They have the number six total defense the number one scoring defense. They've been good against the pass, they've been good against the run, they have been able to generate tackles for loss, they've been able to penetrate the opponent's backfield, they rank 19th in team sacks. It doesn't look like they really have a defect on that side of the football and especially against JJ McCarthy who this will mark the second time in his career that he'll play four quarters. Last year he got into some games, got into some hostile situations, but now he's the starter. Last week was his first full start against Maryland. So yeah, a lot to ask from a young McCarthy. Harbaugh said about the Iowa defense that when you're inaccurate with a throw, whether it's an overthrow, an underthrow, a tip ball, it's going to probably result in a turnover, and then you're going to be in for a rough one. So could you kind of talk about the schematics of, of the Iowa defense, because it boils down to personnel, right? Can they execute what's being asked of them schematically? And it sounds like Iowa has been able to do that. So what should we expect from Iowa when J.J. McCarthy steps back to pass? What kind of coverages and what kind of wrinkles are they going to throw in there?
2: So first of all, regarding J.J. McCarthy, I just need to say he's probably one of the more impressive just people that I've seen, you know, covering recruiting over the past few years. Yeah. He's strikes seen, yeah. <laughs> a very down-to-earth kid, very good human being, first and foremost, on top of being, I think, every that, that five-star quarterback that he is. I mean, so I, I, I just feel like I need to put that out there. I feel like that can get overshadowed from time to time. But, you know, what's interesting about this Iowa defensive line as opposed to last year, I think, you know, last year, Iowa's defensive line really did not generate much pressure, but they were incredibly gap-sound, and I think that's what really helped them know stand out and I think opposing quarterbacks oftentimes would just get impatient with their throws and try to force a play that wasn't there because Iowa's secondary was so good at just covering wide receivers for six seven even eight seconds but this season I think Iowa's defensive line is taking a big step forward I mean they have They had seven guys return this year that played over 200 snaps last year. I think Lucas Van Ness is going to be a national name, if not this year, next year. He's been able to as Iowa's edge rusher. Iowa's got Aaron Graves, who's an All-American, who's continuing to earn more and more snaps. So Iowa's generating more pressure. On the quarterback, and for McCarthy to come into this environment, one of the big things I'll be looking at is when he's pressed up against that north end zone, because Iowa re- renovated that north end zone a few years ago, and it's caused nothing but trouble for opposing quarterbacks. Through the first two games of this season, there were nine false start penalties that they, that the crowd generated in that north end zone. And it, it was also the same end zone that Penn State went viral for last year during that top five matchup when they had three straight false starts. So Iowa's crowd knows they can be a factor when, you know, teams get backed up into that north end zone. And we know that's Tory Taylor's goal, who I think is the best punter in America. But as far as Iowa's defense – I just think they sit back and wait for the opponents to make a mistake. They play a lot of cover two. They switch between the four-two-five and the four-three. I'm very curious how much four-three they play because Iowa outside linebacker Justin Jacobs will miss the remainder of the season. Kurt Ference announced this week. He's probably a guy that would have gone to the NFL draft after this season. So. I think Iowa's going to run much more, much more of the four-two-five. Look for Sebastian Castro to be in that cash position. Look for Cooper DeGene to take over at that cornerback spot if Terry Roberts isn't fully healthy. And Cooper DeGene, I think, is going to be—he's going to be in discussion with Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. So I think Iowa's not going to throw a lot of blitzes at McCarthy because of his ability to move. I think Iowa's going to implement more of a quarterback spy, and I think they're going to sit back and cover two and just wait for. McCarthy to maybe make a mistake. I mean, I, I remember watching the film from his performance against, against Maryland, which I thought was pretty good for the most part. But the two fumbles during the one drive is probably, you know, makes Harbaugh's ears perk up a little bit. I think there were times where McCarthy held the ball for too long against Maryland. And, you know, those are the type of mistakes I think Iowa's just so good at capitalizing. I mean, since the start of the 2017 season, Iowa has 94 interceptions which is 14 more than the second most team, which I believe is Appalachian state and Alabama. So like you said, this Iowa defense is very opportunistic and with its lackluster offense, you know, I think the defense feels pressure to be able to score points and that's what they're going to go out there to try and do and to try to rattle McCarthy a bit. But, uh, you know, he's a prominent high school recruit. I think it's going to be a little bit, uh, harder than it seems to be to really rattle McCarthy because he's got that sort of swagger that I think, you know, I think a championship caliber quarterback has to have.
1: Now, as much attention as McCarthy gets, and deservedly so, McCarthy, by pro football focus, is ranked as the top quarterback when the pocket's clean. So that's something to keep an eye out, too. As long as Michigan's offensive line keeps him clean, he can operate well. They have a good running back, too, as you are very well aware of. And Blake Coram leads the nation in rushing touchdowns last week, put up 243 yards against Maryland. What do you think is the plan for Michigan in that regard? Usually, Jim Harbaugh does like to pack the run when he goes on the road, but will they be running into brick walls? Uh, That's one thing. The interior defensive line, how do you think they match up against Michigan's offensive line? the perimeter. When there is a brick wall, Blake Corum is one of the best in the nation to evade and get out of trouble. And he'll always bump to the outside if he has to without hesitation. So what do you think about Iowa's run defense and specifically the skill set of Corum against it?
2: You know, I think, first of all, I know this is such an easy comparison, uh, but man, Corum reminds me of a stronger Darren Sproles. I mean, he really does. That lower body strength he has, I think, is incredible. I think he has such a great burst of speed. But keep in mind, Iowa, I believe, is one of two teams in the country that has not allowed a rushing touchdown yet this season. And I think a big thing for Iowa, like I mentioned last year, is they were incredibly gap sound. Yes, we saw what Corum did in the Big Ten Championship. But there's one player that I think it's going to make its personal mission to really try to slow down quorum it's going to be jack campbell if you remember that big 10 championship jack campbell who led the nation in tackles very rarely makes a mistake but he bit way too hard on that quorum 67 yard touchdown run because campbell did not fill the gap quickly enough and in a timely manner quorum just skated down the sideline despite being only 80 percent healthy quote-unquote He still made his mark in that game and on that touchdown. So I think Jack Campbell, that's going to be a play that really sticks in his mind, I think, hanging into this matchup. And, you know, this isn't so much about what Michigan should do in the running game because I do think Harbaugh is going to try to dominate time of possession against Iowa because, look, the biggest difference between the last two years of Iowa and the past teams is Iowa just has not had that consistency running the football and Iowa's getting killed in time of possession. It's incredible that Iowa's defensive numbers are as high as they are simply because they're on the field all the time, because Iowa cannot sustain drives. But I think this is an opportunity for Michigan to really utilize their athleticism. I think Riley Moss is a good athlete. I think Cooper DeGene is a very underrated athlete, that corner spot. But if Michigan really can utilize that quick screen game and utilize some of their athleticism on the outside, I really think that can help open up things for Blake Corum. And Corum might be only 5'8", but he hits those openings that the Michigan offensive line can do with a burst of speed. And if Iowa can't react quickly enough, it could be a problem, but this is a very stout Iowa run defense. I think Iowa takes a lot of pride in. It's running defense. They take a lot of pride in trying to limit explosive plays, and I believe the number one goal in this game is going to be to try to make J.J. McCarthy beat him through the air. I think Iowa's locking in on Blake Corum. I think that performance, as you mentioned last week, not reopened Iowa's eyes, but also just puts an extra emphasis on trying to stop him. I think both defenses are going to have the same goal, make the quarterback beat you through the air. Uh, So I think that's what Iowa's going to do. I don't think they're going to take a lot of risks defensively. I think they're going to do everything they can to put as much pressure on J.J. McCarthy to beat them because they do not want Blake Corum Uh, To beat them. But as far as the offensive line, the defensive line, I think Michigan's the best offensive line Iowa's played thus far. It could be the best offensive line they play all year. Uh, Obviously, Ohio State might have a say in that as well. But I'm very excited for the level of physicality that uh, both Lions are going to experience. And the thing is, I think Michigan's going to try to wear down Iowa. But Iowa's conditioning, I think, is very, very good this year. I don't think we're far enough along in the season where they're going to be really beat up or really tired despite being on the field all the time. I mean, I really do see this as Iowa's going to try to slow down Blake Coram. They're going to try to make McCarthy beam through the air. And I think this game's going to go all four quarters.
1: You mentioned time of possession, and that is one area where – Because of Iowa's offense and their struggles, they're ranked really low. They're 105th in time of possession. So that makes what Iowa's been able to do on the defensive side of the ball even more impressive, the fact they've been on the field so much. So early on, the conditioning has definitely been great. A for the Iowa defense. But let's move to the offensive side of the ball because they have a say in whether the Hawkeyes win or lose. They can't turn the football over. They, I would assume, uh, want to have that time possession go a little more in their favor, and that would reside with running the football. But could you give us a preview of the Iowa offense? Of course, there's some names that Michigan fans will remember, and Spencer Petras, the quarterback, Sam Laporta, very good tight end. But what are the pros, you could say, the, the good things, to Iowa's offense and (laughs) or I know is is it that is it is it that hard to find them you know I think it is but it's very
2: interesting when you talk about the Iowa offense Trevor because I don't think it's a talent issue I mean you look at Iowa and the recruiting rankings they've been better year year over year for the past five years Iowa's offensive line is riddled with former all-Americans uh four-star caliber guys Caleb Johnson who is Iowa's true freshman running back. I haven't seen an Iowa back have the size and speed that he has since maybe Marcus Coker back in 2010 or a name I think Michigan fans and Big Ten fans will remember, Sean Green, former Iowa running back, Doug Walker award winner, Caleb Johnson, 6'2", about 215. He's built like an NFL back just strength-wise. I mean, he looks like a third-year guy. I really see Iowa maybe utilizing him a little bit more. I think he's Iowa's biggest playmaker in the backfield. Uh, especially if he gets out in open space. I mean, guys can bounce off him. But I think Iowa's offensive line showed progress last week. And I think Iowa's offensive line, I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to turn it around this year, but they have such a bright future. I mean, Logan Jones taking over Tyler Linderbaum, that's impossible expectations, but there are a lot of parallels between the two of them and their journeys. Uh, Mason Richmond, Connor Colby will be two big names in the future. And it's just so young. And uh, and, like you said, Sam Laporta – I think if Sam LaPorta can clean up his drops, I still think that's a little bit of an issue. But he's proven that he's one of the best tight ends in America as well. I think the big problem for Iowa, it's scheme and it's quarterback play. Iowa's not making the makeables. And, you know, when you have a dominant defense, when you have the best punter in America, again, in my opinion, and Tory Taylor, the numbers I think will at least provide a strong case for it, the offense doesn't need to be elite. They need to be able to take advantage of the opportunities, that special teams and defenses are going to give them and iowa hasn't done that this year and last year they did and i think that's why iowa ended up winning you know 10 games last year it's because they were opportunistic so i think arlen bruce the four uh, arlen bruce is a, uh, is a good wide receiver i think not having keegan johnson hurts them in the vertical game just he's been dealing with a couple of nagging injuries. But Iowa can do some things, I think, if the, you know, the offensive line continues to show signs of growth, if they continue what they show in that second half against Rutgers. I mean, Iowa opened up the second half with an 8-yard run, 8-yard run, and a 21-yard run. That's exactly what Iowa wanted to see coming out of that break. Rutgers only allowed 97 rushing yards in three total games before Iowa went off for, I believe, 129. Again, Rutgers' level of competition wasn't great. But the numbers are the numbers as well. So there's definitely a lot more downside to this Iowa offense. Again, I don't think it's a talent issue. I think it's a scheme issue. And I think it's a combination of just Iowa's not making the makeables and they have not been as opportunistic as they were last year.
1: Is there any chance Petrus plays a clean game on the turnover battle?
2: You know, I think, again, that's a big question mark. I think over the last two games, he's made big strides compared to what he showed against the first two games, which, you know, just to be quite blunt with you, I don't. I can't imagine how he couldn't have because it really couldn't be worse than he was in the first two games. But I think his footwork's looked a lot better. I think he's making good decisions with the football, and I think that's the one thing I was going to be preaching all week is, you know, don't turn the ball over. You can't do it, and I believe – uh, Rutgers coach Greg Sciano pointed this out in his press conference last week I have not double checked this I'm just relaying the information that he th- I believe Iowa's won 19 straight games when they don't commit a turnover so if Michigan can create turnovers and be opportunistic that's obviously a big be a big win for them in that department but if Iowa plays a clean game again I- Iowa I think truly believes in that locker room that they can go in there and you know, like you said, it's where top five teams go to die. Iowa's 5-1 their last six home games against top five teams. The only loss coming against Penn State, which they lost on the very last play of the game. As people might remember, Trace McSorley punted the ball into, Kinnick's, into the crowd, and fans were not really pleased with that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's really going to come down to Ken Spencer-Petrus. Make good decisions. Take care of the football. And can Iowa find a way to at least run the football? which maybe can set up a couple of play actions. But with, with Michigan's, I think, question marks at edge rusher. I think a few question marks in the linebacking group. I'm very curious what Iowa's game plan is going to be, if they're going to do that outside zone or if they're going to try to maybe throw some crossing routes over the middle to make those linebackers try to cover one of the best tight ends in America in Sam Laporta. So I think there's some intriguing options. I don't think Iowa's going to try to test that secondary as much vertically as – you know, they have in the past couple of games because I do love that Michigan secondary. I think they're completely locked down. But definitely some interesting chess matches, I think, going on throughout this game.
1: Speaking of chess match- matches, both teams have real good special teams. You already mentioned the punning game of Iowa. Michigan, of course, has a very good kicker and punter in their own right. But it looks like Iowa has found a very good kicker. And freshman Drew Stevens, who is four for four on field goal attempts thus far in the season, he's made one from 40 to 49, one over 50, a 51-yard attempt that he made. This game could go down to the wire. It could be a low-scoring affair. It could be a game where, to the chagrin you could say of a team or the fans, it could boil down to a kick at the end. What have you seen from Stevens?
2: Yeah, I really do like Stevens. I mean, I I think before the season he got to Iowa uh, for spring practice but this is a kid that I think could be a Luke Groza award finalist over the next couple of years I mean he just has such a powerful leg that 50 plus yarder you mentioned that he made it sounded different when it came off his foot and I really think it could have been good from 58 59 and for a true freshman to have that sort of power it really is incredible so LeVar Woods I think is one of the more underappreciated coordinators in America I think he has flat out won Iowa games in the past, whether it be punt blocks, whether it be uh, punt return touchdowns, kick return touchdowns, great field goal kicking, and you think about Iowa. Yes, their offense hasn't been great. The red zone offense hasn't been great, but over the past seven years, I mean, Iowa's had a ridiculous amount of kicker talent, from Miguel racinos to Keith Duncan uh, to Caleb Schudak, and now I think to Drew Stevens it really is a tradition at Iowa special teams you but as you mentioned I think Michigan special teams I think they can go toe to toe with Iowa I probably give them a little bit of an edge in the kicking department just because I think Moody's more proven I would give Iowa the slight edge with Tory Taylor but as you mentioned you talk about a chess match. Nobody loves special teams more than the University of Iowa. Nobody loves punting more than the University of <laughs> Iowa and the fans. I mean, this is the fan-based chance MVP to Torrey Taylor when he goes out in the field. And he, he really is almost like a 12th defender based on where he just pins opponents back. And, you know, at that point, Phil Parker will just tell his defensive line, pin their ears back and go get the quarterback when they get him inside the five. So it's going to be very interesting. I do love Drew Stevens, a kicker. I think... It will be a big test when he actually has to kick in a high-pressured environment. It can, you know, when you really can't simulate that, you just have to go live in the moment. So we haven't really seen that it factor. But early on, I love what I've seen out of him, and I think he has a very, very bright future for Iowa.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I re- remember those shirts that uh, punters are people too. Well, apparently in Iowa, it's punters or rock stars. I guess it's just you can print the shirt now. But uh, <laughs> last one for you, what are your ultimate predictions for this one
2: you know before the season i picked iowa to beat michigan just given the history in kinnick stadium given i think it was a revenge game for iowa this is a game where you know the day after that game they circled this game on the calendar i love iowa's defense i love iowa's special teams i think michigan's more talented across the board i think they're they have more athleticism on the outside i'm very curious how Harbaugh and company utilize that i think michigan's team has a ceiling is just as high as it was last year if they can put all the pieces together. I have Michigan winning a very close game. I just think that Iowa's offense hasn't proven it to me. I don't think they've proven it to anybody, quite frankly. Again, I don't think it's a talent issue. I think Michigan's more talented. I think Iowa has to play a near-flawless game to really come out with a win. But I have Michigan winning 17-13. to 13. It could be 17-10. to 10. I think it's going to be a close game throughout the entire thing. I, I don't see... With this defense specifically, I just don't see Michigan blowing out Iowa. I have a lot of respect for this Michigan offense. I just have a lot of respect for Iowa's defense, but I think Harbaugh has a great group. I think they're a Big Ten title contender behind Ohio State or maybe up to par with Ohio State. Uh, but I do think Michigan goes in there, goes into Kinnick, and escapes with a you know what has come across to be a very rare top five team escaping Kinnick with a win. So 17-13, I'll say, is my final prediction.
1: That's a good prediction, and Kirk Ferentz said that this is kind of like an NFL playoff game to where Every possession, every play matters, and I feel that. I feel that even how both teams and the coaches and players spoke this week when speaking with the media. It's it's very serious. It definitely seems almost like a wild card divisional playoff game, and it kind of is because that's what college football is, right? You can't really lose too many games (laughs) and expect to get to the promised land. So, David, great stuff, expert, excellent analysis. Can you please tell folks where they can find you on Twitter and read your stuff?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at David Eichel, E I C K H O L T, and you can stay tuned uh, with my work is uh, at HawkeyeInsider.com or Iowa.247Sports.com. And uh, again, I appreciate the platform and I appreciate you reaching out to me. Yeah,
1: and everybody give David a follow on Twitter and check out his stuff online on the 247 Sports recruiting stuff. You're over 95%, I believe, right? Your crystal ball predictions? Uh, somewhere around that, yeah. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's elite. That's elite. So, especially you have, I believe it was 105 out of 110, right around there. So, so that's, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, so thank you, David. Thank you very much. And once again, this has been Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Maize and Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at WoodsFootball. Of course, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave a review. Hopefully it's a good one. And we will talk to you at the end of Michigan, Iowa, for the postgame reaction podcast. Talk to you then.